Thanks for listening to the Secular Hubcast, a podcast made possible through a grant from the American Humanist Association. This show is a project of the Secular Hub, a Denver nonprofit organization dedicated to promoting community, altruism, reason, and education across the diverse secular community of the Front Range region. For more information and to become a member, visit secularhub.org. Hello and welcome to the Secular Hubcast, the voice of Denver's Secular Hub. My name is Jesse Gilbertson and I'll be your host for today. That's right, it's a solo episode, so you might want to go ahead and just turn it off now. Still with me? Well, that was just a little test and you passed. Your reward is that you get to listen to me talk for the rest of the episode. Now, earlier today, I was with my friend Chauncey and some of my other friends from the Secular Hub. We went for a nice hike up in the mountains, and we were planning to do a recording there, sort of a a slice of life, so that you, the listener, could join us on our hike, even if you weren't there in person. Unfortunately, we had a little bit of a technical difficulty, and so our, our audio recorder wasn't working, and so here I am. Now, I've been toying around with this idea for an episode for some time. Uh, I just got to make it a little sooner than I was planning to. Today's show topic is liberty. Freedom. What does it mean to have freedom, and can you increase it or grow it in your life? Now, I was raised in America, and I was taught from a young age that America is the land of the free. Uh, It's sort of one of those cliches like, hey, it's a free country, do what you want. But what does that really mean for an individual? person to person, how much liberty does anyone really have? I would say that common or popular myth of America is that it was founded as a place for people to be free. Let's see, learned about the pilgrims and other people coming from Europe to come to a place where they could be free to practice religion as they saw fit and to follow their heart, to follow their conscience. Later, I learned about America's deeply disturbing history with slavery capturing millions of people and bringing them here to work against their will and to be property. And of course, the genocide of the people who are native. Those things are definitely a part of our past. And we living in America benefited from those things that took place. But neither I nor you did those things. Those things are from the past. And that's the America that we have been handed. Our forefathers and foremothers set up this land and gave it to us. And what are we going to do with it? In thinking about this as a topic for discussion, I came to focus on the idea of liberty as a concept. Obviously, liberty is not a commodity. If you're running low on liberty, you can't run out to the store and buy some or have some shipped to you from Amazon. But let's take a look at how people practice liberty. There are certain communities in our country today that talk about liberty all the time they sort of wrap themselves in the idea that they have liberty and they're preserving liberty and they're keeping liberty at all costs. I believe this is a valuable perspective to have as long as your goal is to increase liberty rather than to prevent other people from having it. I don't believe that liberty is a zero-sum game. That is to say, if I have liberty, the next man can't have any liberty. There's only so much liberty to go around and I'm getting it all. It's my belief that growing liberty for one person can help all people. We're all in this shit together. And liberty liberty should work for everybody. 
So that's one way to approach the concept of liberty. The next concept is to just take your liberty for granted. You're here, you're in America, you have your certain rights and freedoms that are granted to you, and that's just how it is. I'd say this is probably the most common perspective to take on liberty. I'd say most folks just don't think about it all that much. To me, this is somewhat of a dangerous way of considering freedom. I don't consider that freedom is static and just stays put. Liberty waxes and wanes over time, over the years. And, well, I don't want to sound conspiratorial or paranoid or anything, but I think it's quite clear that there are forces in our society that are erosive towards liberty. And I'm going to get to that in a little bit to try and, to try and justify my point of view on that. But it is quite easy in our world to take one's liberty for granted. Now, the last category of people that I'd like to talk about are those who have lost some amount of liberty for some reason or another. America has a very high percentage of people incarcerated. That is to say, people who have been convicted of some crime and who have had their liberty stripped away from them. Now, notwithstanding those folks who have been wrongfully convicted, for individuals who committed a crime and had their liberty taken away, they could certainly be considered just, especially if someone victimized another person, committed some kind of damage or theft or some other kind of crime that really hurt another person. Locking them up, sending them away, that makes a lot of sense. You have to protect society from these people. However, I like to consider it from a humanistic point of view. People who have lost their liberty, those are still people. And with a prison population in this country of over 2 million people, it's important to remember that a greater or lesser number of those people are wrongfully convicted or wrongfully sentenced. But even beyond incarceration in prison, there are other ways for people to lose liberty. In the United States, we consider property rights to be a form of freedom. You have the freedom to own property here. And with the Great Recession of recent years and other problems, there are many people who, who lost the things they'd laid love. Homelessness is at a pretty high level, especially among certain groups of people. And I think it's important for us to take a time to consider people who have lost their liberty in our country. So I mentioned a moment ago that I consider that there are attacks or erosive forces against our liberties these days. I'll say just a few words on that now. I'll be referring to the U.S. Bill of Rights, which, as you probably know, was adopted and added to the Constitution in the 18th century. Amendment 1 of the Bill of Rights states, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or of the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. On this show previously, we had an episode about abortion rights, and we considered the state of Alabama's attempts to use religion to prevent people from having access to abortion rights. In our show, we said that we considered that to be a theocratic or theocracy effort on the part of the legislators in the state of Alabama. There's a real quick example. Also, Amendment 1 refers to freedom of the press, freedom of speech. I'll give you two more quick examples. Uh, our, our commander-in-chief, one Donald J. Trump, frequently attacks the press, delegitimizes it, 
and makes it harder for members of the press to do their job. I would consider that an attack on everyone's liberties since we, the public, rely on a rely on an honest and hardworking press to provide us information about how our government works. I'll also refer to a little thing called net neutrality. Net neutrality is the idea that internet service providers and those who create and maintain the infrastructure of the internet can't choose what material we see. However, the protection of net neutrality rules was suspended under the Trump administration. So it's something that we used to have. We used to have the ability to go out and find things and have them delivered to us over the internet on an equal footing, regardless of, of what the content creator on the internet was saying. We, could, we had access, equal access to all of it, and that's been changed under the Trump administration. So there's a, there's a couple of attacks against our First Amendment. Amendment 4 states the right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated, and no warrants shall issue but upon probable cause, supported by oath or affirmation, and particularly describing the place to be searched and the persons or things to be seized. Amendment 4 is under tremendous attack these days. I'd say particularly in the realm of digital information, we all participate in the internet, we all create metadata and other pieces of information that we're not even aware of. And thanks to leaks from Edward Snowden and other, others like that. Uh, now, real quick, whether you consider Edward Snowden to be a vile traitor or whether you consider him to be a freedom-fighting whistleblower, uh, the fact is he revealed a lot of stuff that our government didn't want revealed particularly about how data is captured and stored by our government. I think in pretty clear violation of uh, our Amendment 4 enumerated rights to be free from unreasonable search and seizure. And the last thing I'm going to refer to to try and buttress up my argument that our freedoms are under attack comes from Amendment 8, which states, Excessive bail shall not be required, nor excessive fines imposed, nor cruel and unusual punishments inflicted. Ah, man, this one is a real heartbreaker because you're talking about real mass suffering on this one. Our country, our country came to not represent freedom, but instead to represent torture, I think, with the uh, establishment of Camp X-Ray down at Guantanamo Bay. And of course, we remember our president at the time, George Bush, and his vice president, Dick Cheney, talking about enhanced interrogation. Um, we know that some individuals who are incarcerated there were, were waterboarded hundreds of times and had other forms of, of torture, really, inflicted upon them. And our country represents that. Now, the guys incarcerated there might have been complete bastards, but they're not combatants. They're off the battlefield. We shouldn't be torturing those people under any circumstances. We currently in our country have a huge migrant crisis. Thousands of people, including children, are coming to our country seeking asylum. And many, many children have been separated from their families and are being basically warehoused, stored for long periods of time away from their family. I think this is very unusual and appears to be extremely cruel. And of course, we in this country still practice capital punishment in many places. 
our capital punishment system is so messed up and the drugs that are needed to execute people are not available and so states where it's still practiced are doing crazy experiments uh, injecting and injecting prisoners who are locked up with with drugs where there's no clearly established protocol for executing people and and uh, and there have been many stories of individuals on death row facing capital punishment who suffered agonizing miserable deaths at the hands of the state there's no way that this could be considered anything other than cruel and unusual i'm sure if i looked much harder or if you did yourself you could easily think of other ways that our our liberty is under assault nowadays and that's why i think it's it's really important for us to do what we can to take liberty for ourselves in the face of government attacks, um, the assault against our freedoms, from the, whether it's from the government or from powerful individuals or groups in our society, it's really important for us to remember that we're not powerless. It's a bit of a cliche, you know, people power, you know, you've got the power, but it is a fact. You do have the power. And I'm going to give you a few examples from things that I do, things that I like to do when I'm feeling powerless when I need a, a dose of liberty, what do I do? And hopefully we can provoke a little bit of a discussion about liberty, what does it mean to have it and to grow it. For me, increasing liberty comes in four distinct ways. I spent quite a bit of time thinking about it, and I think that if you wanna increase your, your liberty, there are four different approaches that you can take, four different areas to start with. And each person has to look at their own life and figure out what way to do it, how they're going to approach increasing personal liberty. But those four broad categories have to do with communication, money, and budgetary or financial concerns, personal self-improvement, and becoming a creator or producer. So we'll start with communication. Communication just means to share ideas. It means to take an idea out of your head and to put it in another person's head. It's also composed of listening. Listening is absolutely essential when it comes to communication. So that's the idea of someone, an idea from someone else's head going into your, your head and taking root there. So communication. How do you do it? Whom do you communicate with? Well, first start with the people you love. You got to get real with the people you love from time to time. It can be painful and it can be tricky. When you're living with people, let's say you share a roof with them, uh, whether that's a roommate, boyfriend, girlfriend, spouse, whatever the situation is, if you are with people day after day, things are going to change. Your needs and desires are going to change, and so are the other people's. It's important to, to take time every once in a while to change the circumstances. Maybe you go out or maybe you set a nice dinner up at home and you tell the person, hey, I love you. I've had all these things on my mind and I just need to get real. Like I said, these conversations, whether it's, whether it's about financial stuff, whether it's about hopes and desires for the future, whether it's about sexual things, whatever it is, sometimes it's, it's painful and difficult to start these conversations, but it's absolutely essential. If you're feeling oppressed and depressed at home, Sometimes just getting real with the people you love is a great place to start. 
beyond your immediate group, you should definitely communicate at the neighborhood and city level. I used to live in Athmar neighborhood over on the west side over by Federal Boulevard. I kind of miss that neighborhood. Uh, it had some really cool stuff going on. It had a really cool neighborhood association. Now, this was not an HOA, like a homeowner's association. It, this was strictly voluntary, but they did a really good job over there. They, they had monthly meetings that were always punctual and professional. Sometimes they'd have people from the city, city councilors, or bureaucrats who do things, or they'd have representatives from the police or actually uniformed police officers there to speak, to answer questions. It gave members from the community a, an opportunity to just express themselves and to hear what their neighbors are saying. That that neighborhood also has a really thriving Facebook group. And, you know, any anytime you have a social or online media, there's negativity and nastiness. But it was also a really great way for people to get together to, you know, plan barbecues and to share pictures of wildlife in the neighborhood that other people would find interesting and to share news. Like, um, you know, there were a, a series of, of car break-ins over on Navajo Street or whatever, just a good way to communicate. So you should definitely look into ways of communicating at the neighborhood level in your area and just listen to what people are saying and, and express yourself, make yourself be, make yourself heard. You should also consider community groups. Obviously in Denver, we're very lucky to have the Secular Hub, which is a community center just for atheists and free thinkers to, to do our own thing. Most places don't have anything equivalent. So, um, you know, there are other venues where people meet. Again, online might be a great way to find these places. You can use sites like Meetup or Facebook events pages to, to find out what's going on. And you may find that groups are holding events at the libraries or at restaurants nearby. It's really just a matter of making the effort to find these things and then to go out and participate. You know, find out what's going on and, and find out what you would actually like to be a part of. By doing that, you should be able to grow your own freedom at least a little bit and at your neighborhood level. Now, beyond just just uh, communicating with people you love and with your neighborhood, there are many, many other ways to be out there and communicate. For instance, if there's something wrong with your head and you make bad decisions, you could start a podcast. That's one way to go about it. Um, you'll grow your listenership if you just do it right, and you'll your ideas will be heard, and you can interact and <laughs> speak with people. There are many resources for forming podcasts. Uh, there, there are many good podcasts about podcasting there are lots of books and uh if you if let's say you you know a podcaster you can just ask them questions for example i'm a podcaster you can send me an email podcast at secularhub.org and uh i might be able to point you in a, a good direction or or answer your question or just give you moral support hey i, I know what it's like because i've been there <laughs> so so reach out and form a podcast if you feel like you're more of an author type there are many ways to self-publish. You can write a blog. You can write a novel. You can write a book and publish it on online via outlets like Amazon or Nook. There are many ways to, to do that. Let's say you want to take a more activist route. Well, you can form a political group or find political groups active in your area and join. If you find, Let's say you find a political group that matches what you want to do and matches your temperament. Well, join up. Help those people. If there's nothing in your community that really does what you want, you can form your own political group. 
You can run for office. You can run for office at your city level or on the school board or for local dog catcher or for president. You can run for whatever you want as long as you meet all the requirements. And if political action isn't your thing, you can form a social group. Again, with all the resources available on the internet, you know, if let's say knitting is your thing and you're lonely when you knit and you want to form a knitting circle, <laughs> you can do that online. If you want to have an exercise group or maybe just a support group, you can form it if it's not already available in your community. So consider these things. Consider finding a group and joining it or forming a group of your own. There might actually be quite a need for something like that in your neighborhood. It's just that no one has taken the ambition or taken the initiative yet. It might be on you to do that. So that's my number one tip for increasing liberty. If you're feeling oppressed, repressed, or depressed, a good place to start is just to get out there and communicate. Let people hear what you have to say and listen to the things that they have to say. Now, the next area for consideration to improve your personal liberty has to do with money. Now, I'm not a particularly greedy person or money motivated, but you need money. You just plain old need it to get by in this world of ours. I've heard it said that the only real crime you could commit in our society is to be broke. And, uh, you know, there's a certain amount of truth to that. If you have money, you have freedom. You can go places, you can afford help, you can afford lawyers. If you're broke, you're stuck in place, and any little problem that hits you is just going to stick to you forever. <laughs> so we all need money, and it's good to improve our financial situation when we can. Now, some of the people who listen to this podcast are already going to be financially secure, but many, many people are not. I think it's important to consider the people who are financially or otherwise, you know, whether it has to do with housing, nutrition, or other needs, some of us are very insecure. There's a, there's a very low level of financial literacy out there. I'll confess real quick. Um, I am 38 years old. That's not my confession. Um, my confession is I was really bad with money until just a couple of years ago. I had really bad credit. I had no money in the bank, and I would spend money more or less as soon as I got it, uh, if not before. Uh, it took a it took kind of a long time for me to learn those lessons. The you know, when you're bad with money, life gives you painful lessons. So it seems like it should be easy to learn, but sometimes it takes a long time for those lessons to sink in. It's painful for people to to learn about. Our world, unfortunately, really identifies people with the amount of money they have and with the type of possessions they have. And so for people who are young or people who come from very modest means, it can be demoralizing or dehumanizing to really consider the subject of money. It's, uh, it can be a hard subject to mature and grow into. That's why I think it, it's a great place to start. Obviously, money and finances are an extremely complex subject, but fundamentally, it kind of comes down to two things. You need to spend less and you need to earn more. It's really that simple. If you're feeling stressed in the money or finance department, try to take a look back at how you've been spending money recently. If you use credit card much, you can easily look back at previous statements. And if you have a bank account, you can look at how you've been withdrawing or spending money from there as well. Looking back and kind of analyzing line by line Every expense you've done in the last couple months can be extremely eye-opening. You might not realize you're spending so much on food, eating out, 
you might be buying stuff from Amazon. You might be drinking too many beers. There, there could be a lot of ways that you overspend money without even really realizing it. So knowledge is the first step. And, and sometimes just an awareness can be enough t- to prompt change. If you're not the type of person who uses credit cards or something like that that creates a record, doing this exercise might be a little tougher, but it's still worthwhile to consider how you spend your money. You may also need to do a budget if you don't have a current one or if you've never done one before. There's lots of good information out there um, from books, and I'm certainly no expert, but the fundamental practice of doing a budget is figuring out how expensive it is to live your life and therefore how much money you need to make. If you're not meeting your budget, well, then you need to cut back spending or increase your income, and there you go. Now, calling unnecessary or needless spending is a great place to start, but sometimes it's not enough. Sometimes you need to increase your income. If that's the case with you, then you should definitely consider getting a second job. Second jobs usually kind of suck. They usually are, they're like delivering pizza or being a courtesy clerk or delivering the newspaper or something lame like that. Uh, it's also inconvenient. I mean, you have to give up up, uh, basically all your free time. And for those, you know, for individuals who have families or who have other time constraints, it can be a very big sacrifice. However, if you're struggling under debt, let's say you have a, a student debt that you've been servicing for years and years, or maybe you have credit card debt that you haven't been able to get rid of or consumer debt or something like that, get in a second job and just stay in focused and knocking out that debt as quick as you can. That could be a huge relief. You don't have to keep working to service some lousy debt. You've got that time and income back to your life. And having a second job, it's just going to be a short-term thing. You're not going to have a second job forever. So just look at it as this is an exercise of something that you need to do to increase your personal liberty. I'm going to get this money. I'm going to get out from under this debt. And I'm going to have, my, I'm going to have a greater measure of liberty than I did before. Maybe a second job isn't realistic. There's always gigs. There's a growing and thriving gig economy out there. So if you have a vehicle, you can do a ride share. If you have a house that's available sometime, you can use it for Airbnb, let people live there. Let's say that's not your thing. You can, if you have a good internet connection, you can become certified to teach English as a second language. And people from all around the world will connect to you online and you can, you can tutor them in how to speak English. If you're a halfway decent writer, you can do proofreading or editing online. If you have a strong back, you can go out and pull weeds. Um, I myself recently did, I sacrificed a weekend and went over to someone's house, a friend of mine who needs some landscaping. This uh, individual is having periodic standing water and flooding. And she had some money she didn't need, so she gave it to me and I fixed up her landscape and she's happy and now I've got money. So there are lots of different ways to make some extra income if you need to. If you've always had the urge to start a business, now might be the time. If you've had difficulty getting getting rolling, maybe you could tell yourself, hey, I need to start this business to increase my personal liberty. That's what I'm really after. It can be a, it can be a good way to get started if it's something that you've been meaning to do. Other ways to improve your financial situation, maybe it's time to ask for that raise from your boss that you've been thinking about. Obviously, it can be tricky. <laughs> it can be a little risky. You might make your you might make your boss mad at you. You know, you might actually theoretically put yourself in a worse position. But then again, people ask for raises all the time. It's it's pretty standard. I'd say before you have that conversation with your boss, you know, speak to your significant other 
<laughs> if you have a, a boyfriend, girlfriend, or spouse, something like that, taking what's important to them into consideration is a valuable thing to do. So have that conversation with them. You know, before you just go ask your boss for a raise, consider why you deserve the raise. What have you done to increase production or to increase profitability for the boss? Because that's all the boss is really going to care about. What have you done to make the boss's life easier? Are you someone who's tardy periodically and your boss is mad at you about that? Maybe have a, maybe be prepared to speak to that and to say, hey, you know, I have been late, but I increased uh, profit by this much or I increased efficiency by this much. Be ready to have that conversation before you just ask your boss for a raise. If your job really isn't good enough for you, perhaps it's time to consider a change of careers. Again, this is definitely something that does bring a little risk into your life because if you quit your job before you find another one, you might be out of work for a while. You might have to rely on savings or, or you might have to rely on something else if you don't have a lot of savings to get by. However, changing careers can often be fantastic and can take a lot of stress off and it can be worth more money if you get a better job. So definitely consider if it's time to change jobs. And the last thing I would say, the last thing that you should consider for increasing your, your freedom through improving your financial situation uh, is to decide if you have too much stuff. I, I have a background in construction and I do home inspections as well. So I go into people's houses a lot of the time and I often observe people who have way too much stuff, like ridiculous. If you have, let's say, a kayak or a set of skis or something like that that's been in your garage for years and you haven't used it, man, just sell it. You don't need it. You're not going to use it in the next five years. You can just get rid of it. You'll have that space back in your garage. It won't be all cluttered. You know, if you have that extra furniture in your backyard or some extra junk down in the basement, go online. You can sell it on Craigslist. You could sell it on through Facebook market. You could sell it on OfferUp. You could have you could have a garage sale. Just put all that junk in the lawn on a Saturday morning. And uh, that way you'll get to meet your neighbors and improve your communication and community at the same time while you're getting rid of this junk you never use and making a little bit of income. So that's my second bit of advice after communication is improve your financial situation and you'll improve your stability, and your ability to help yourself and help others, and you will improve your liberty. The third point in my increasing your personal liberty scale is, is the point of self-improvement. Self-improvement can be whatever you want it to be, and it's going to be personal for, for, from individual to individual. It's going to change and mean something different. Self-improvement is one of those kind of weird areas of life. Let's consider New Year's resolutions for just a second. It is a cliche, I know I keep using that word in this, this uh, episode, but it's a, definitely a cliche that people make New Year's resolutions on the 1st of January, and they're motivated, and they, they work towards these resolutions for a couple weeks, and then it always just peters out and goes away to nothing. And that is true, probably in a majority of cases, but the fact is people grow and change all the time. Self-improvement is something that a lot of people get a lot of joy out of, and it's something that if you become a better person and more able in your life, you're going to have more opportunities to do things. You're going to have more liberty. Common areas for self-improvement is exercise. If you're out of shape, if you're feeling weak or unhealthy, you might need to do some exercise. Obviously, if you haven't done it in a while, or if you've never really been very active, 
you might want to go to a doctor first, get a checkup, make sure you're you're physically able to to do certain things and to but yeah, begin some exercising. Even if it's just low intensity, maybe walk more often than you used to. Take the stairs instead of the elevator. There's a lot of little things you can do. And as long as you keep it up and develop the mental attitude of looking for opportunities to exercise, it's something you can do. You can learn a new skill or a second language. Learning skills such as how to maintain the plumbing in your home, how to cook, how to maintain a vehicle or motorcycle, how to pour concrete. There are a countless number of skills out there that you can learn. If there's something that you've been wanting to do, maybe learn how to play the clarinet. I don't know. If there's something like that you want to do, it might be the time to do this. If you think it might be too difficult to go out and communicate, if you think it might be too difficult to get a second job and increase your income, you can work on self-improvement and increase skills in life. And uh, the only person you have to rely on is yourself. It's an easy way to increase your liberty. As part of this self-improvement, I would also encourage you to learn skills that you might not have considered or wanted to learn before. I'll give you an example of a skill that you might consider learning that you might disagree with. Many people who attend the Hub tend to skew to the liberal side of things, and uh, there's not a great deal of gun ownership within the membership of the Secular Hub. If this maybe applies to you and you've never fired a handgun, you might want to consider it. Most gun ranges offer firearms safety courses that you could take, and there are similar trainings such as for concealed carry. Learning about guns, how to operate and safely fire them might be something that's anathema to you, but if you learn it, it is a new skill. It might help you see the other person's point of view, and that will help facilitate greater communication in the future. And, you know, just having basic competency will get you a lot farther. For instance, if you know the difference between a bullet and a cartridge and a magazine and a clip, well, these are, these are all different terms, and they're not you can't use them interchangeably. If you're having a conversation with another person who is competent in firearms and does value them very much, being able to sound like you know what you're talking about is going to get you a lot further in a conversation with that person. So learning about firearms is just an example, but you might want to consider learning about something that's disagreeable or unpleasant to you. It might be something that gives you more freedom and more liberty in your life. Now, an often overlooked part of self-improvement is volunteering. It might seem a little counterintuitive to consider volunteering as self-improvement because, you know, you're volunteering. You're donating your time to another group or, or individual, and you should be helping them, right? Well, that's true. But the person who does volunteering is going to be benefited as well. If you look around in your community, you'll find organizations that help serve underserved communities, maybe a soup kitchen or a shelter. Could be an animal shelter if you'd prefer to work with dogs or cats or horses, or you may have those in your areas that require help. And aside from just organizations, sometimes the best volunteering that you can do is one-on-one. -on -one. In your neighborhood, there may be elderly folks, there may be those with disabilities, there may be people who are afflicted with medical conditions such as cancer and they're undergoing treatment and they can't do everything that they used to do. Beyond just, you know, making the old, the odd casserole, <laughs> uh, sometimes people need help moving or they need help mowing their lawn or they need help with real physical tasks. If you can be there and help your neighbors, help your loved ones, or just help a stranger or help animals, 
that can be something that empowers you personally and is a source of liberty in your life. You're not just helping people, you're helping yourself too, and you're helping liberty all across the land. So do consider more volunteering if it's something you haven't been doing lately. All right, so so far we've considered increasing your liberty by communicating more, by increasing or improving your financial situation in life through self-improvement. And the last point I'm going to speak to is becoming a producer or a creator. This is one that I can really emphasize in my life that I really enjoy and that I get a lot of satisfaction and sense of liberty from. Now, what does it mean to produce something? What is a product? What does it mean to be a producer? Well, when you produce something, you take something from the world and you act on it in some way to change it to make it more valuable so that you can then give it to someone else. Usually they're gonna give you something back in return. And that's all it really comes down to, making something out of nothing. One of my favorite ways to be a producer is to grow food. I raise a certain amount of my own food and I've done so every year, well, every year that I physically was able to since I was about 10 years old. This year, me and my roommate put in a little garden in his backyard, about 350 square feet, nothing huge, but we've already had pretty good harvest of radishes, some spinach, some lettuce, and there's a lot more coming. Hopefully it doesn't get too beat up by hail or anything like that, but we should have a lot of tomatoes, beets, peppers, and a bunch more of what I've already mentioned, radishes and lettuce and, and so forth. Um, growing food is, is really wonderful and satisfying. You can grow what you want. It's really enjoyable to see the plants grow and develop over the season. And if you make way too much, it's, a beautiful gift to give somebody a batch of tomatoes or a, a fresh head of, of lettuce that you just pulled out of the ground that morning or a bunch of carrots. It's really nice. It's a wonderful gift. If you happen to live, let's say in an apartment where you don't have your own soil, container gardening is generally an option. If you've got some suitable sunlight, get a big pot, get some fresh potting soil, put some seeds in, apply some water, and there you go. You In a few months, you've got some food. It may also be possible to do some kind of an urban garden if that's something that's offered in your neighborhood or community. If there is an urban garden, you generally have to go through some kind of procedure to sign up and get a plot of lands, but that's something that once it's set up and it's yours, you can do whatever you want with it. Grow whatever you want there. You may also be able to ask your neighbors or ask a friend who does have some soil. Ask them if you can use a little piece of their soil and put in a little veggie patch Maybe you'll offer them a certain percentage of the vegetables and the produce that you get out of it as in exchange, and they let you use the soil. In fact, if you start this, you may find that you just want to do a small garden, but the person you're talking to gets very enthusiastic and excited, and the garden ends up being a lot bigger than you initially envisioned. So figure out a way, take a chance, and grow some of your own food. In addition to growing food, you should try feeding people. This doesn't necessarily have to be from food you've grown, although that sort of is an extra satisfying level. But do some community meals. Invite groups of friends over and cook a big meal for everybody. Maybe you can sponsor a picnic where you and another person make a bunch of sandwiches and a bunch of pasta salad and take it out to some hungry people. On holidays, like Thanksgiving, if you typically host dinner for your family, it might be nice to invite people from around the neighborhood. Maybe you found out that your neighbor doesn't have anywhere to go and he or she is going to be all alone on Thanksgiving. Invite that person over to be part of your community. It can be a deeply enriching and rewarding experience to do so. 
Now, aside from food, there are other things you can create, of course. Maybe you don't consider yourself to be artistic, but I think most people have some type of creativity inside of them. I myself started creating paintings just in the last couple of years. I, I don't want to get into it right now, but these last two years have been really consequential for me. <laughs> and I found out that I can paint. Um, let's see. My first painting I ever did was actually of Donald Trump. And if you go to secularhub.org, you can see the painting I did. I posted it there in the blog section. I have never, ever posted a picture of this online before. So this will be the first time I'm revealing it to the world. So if you want to see my Jesse Gilbertson, my Trump painting, go to secularhub.org and check out the blog post for, for this episode, episode 55. But maybe it's time. Maybe, maybe you were never creative before, and now it's time. Try drawing. Try painting. If you're not a visual person, maybe it's time for you to, to pick up a musical instrument that you've always been thinking about. Maybe it's time to learn to play guitar or play the clarinet or whatever it is. Working with the land and the soil can be a great way to express artistic creativity. If you have kind of a boring landscape, maybe it's time to do some work on it. Maybe it's time to do something interesting with stonework or to put in a bird bath and create a secret garden for yourself, somewhere to go to relax. Perhaps you've always wanted to write. Maybe you are maybe you secretly love poetry and you've always wanted to try your hand, but you've never dedicated the time. Whatever it is, I would say create something, make something valuable, put it out into the world for other people to experience and consume. And of course, then again, maybe you don't want to create something artistic like that. Maybe that's just not who you are. Well, maybe you should try your hand at creating community. The Secular Hub was created by a, a small group of people who were highly motivated. Maybe in your community, you want to form that. Maybe you want to form a, an exercise group or a hiking group or a, a, a beer connoisseur's appreciation group or <laughs> a group of people who like to sit around and complain about how bad things are in the neighborhood. Wh whatever it is, maybe it's time for you to create a community group, something that you can lead, but that other people can, can join and show their own form of leadership. These are all valid ways of producing and creating things. So there's my last piece of advice. Become a producer, become a creator in whatever way suits you and whatever way that you think you could do it best. So there you have it. Those are my top four ways of improving personal liberty. Communicating and listening. Increasing or improving your financial situation. Self-improvement of various types. And becoming a producer. Liberty is not fixed or static. It's constantly changing. It's constantly moving and evolving. When I think about liberty, I kind of picture myself standing on a vast sheet of ice, and the ice sheet itself is tipping side to side, and I'm, I'm trying to move forward towards greater liberty, greater pursuit of happiness, but it's hard to, and it's slippery, and it's difficult to control, and the outside world puts tremendous pressures on us all the time. But liberty is yours. Liberty isn't about revolution or taking over the world. But liberty has to be taken. Liberty is not given to you. It has to be taken. It has to be something that you create and generate within your own life over and over. It's something that is done perpetually. I hope you're thinking about liberty. I hope it's something that is important to you. It's definitely important to me and important to many other people. So take liberty. It's with you today. It will be with you in the future but it will depend on how much you put into it, 
how much you can grow it. That'll determine to a large degree how much you will have in the future. So stand up for yourself and your neighbors and your friends. Stand up for liberty. So this has been Jesse from The Secular Hub. Thank you so much for listening. I would love to hear what you have to say about liberty. You can write me an email, podcast at secularhub.org. Otherwise, you could come visit me down at The Secular Hub. I'll be down there from time to time. Check us out on meetup.com slash secularhub, where you'll see a full listing of all of our upcoming events. It's a great way to find out what things are going on and what you might be interested in and who all is going to be there. So, like I said, please feel free to reach out to me personally, podcast at secularhub.org, or check out meetup.com slash secularhub to find out what's going on. And I hope to talk to you real soon.